Are you ready? Ready to transform your life and step into the person that you say you want to be. Ready to stop talking and start doing. I'm Ange, a health and fitness coach. And I'm Ashley, a Reiki master and energy healer. And we are here to help you do exactly that. And you're busy. We get that because we are too. But even with the challenges and chaos, you deserve and can live a life full of absolute joy, happiness, and purpose. We want you to join us in taking radical responsibility so that you can take everything in your life to that next level. Have the best sex of your life. Live in a body that you love. Let go of worry and stress. And live in total alignment. Your happier, healthier, and amazing life is waiting for you. Let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Transform Your Life podcast. We have a very special guest with us once again, and we have Ashley as per usual. So welcome ladies. How are you doing? Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. Yes, I am also doing amazing. I, uh, I don't know. I feel like I've had a like quiet kind of calm day, which is not uh, my usual. So I feel like I'm just kind of leaning into the excitement and so excited to meet you, Alyssa, and get started on this amazing conversation. I can't wait to hear about your journey. And I know it's going to influence and impact a lot of our listeners. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Now, Alyssa came across our path through Elise Free, and that is through the Bodhi Retreat in um, Florida that Ashley and I spoke at in May. And she had recommended that we connect with Alyssa and talk about all of the amazing life coaching things that she is doing. And she is just rocking this beautiful shirt right now that says Sober Goddess. And we just, A, love the word goddess. And we just can't wait to dive into all things sober with you as well. So where did the shirt come from and where did the whole journey to sobriety start for you? Oh my God. That's such a big question. (laughs) Um, So first of all, my name is Alyssa Rocco. I um, am so grateful to be here and to connect with your community. I have been a coach for 11 years now and Three years ago, I connected with a woman named Pamela who created my badass recovery. And we have been building out my badass recovery. We're both sober, badass bitches. Can I swear on this? Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, And just love life in sobriety. And it did not start out that way. So I will back up and tell you exactly how I got to be where I am now. But essentially my badass recovery is a platform for women and men to totally love their sober life and everything that that entails and feel empowered in it, which um, was definitely the journey I had, I, I didn't start there. So I'll, I'll just back up and sort of tell you what happened and how I came to be where I am today. Yes, please. <laughs> I feel like I'm settling in for like a grown-up story. Like I know my kids are reading um, books and stuff right now. And I'm just like, oh, I just feel like I'm just kind of like snuggling in. I got my coffee and I'm like, ooh, tell me everything. So I know. Well, so thank you so much for having me. First of all, I feel so honored to be here and having this conversation with you. 
Um, my name is Alyssa Rocco. I've been a life coach now for 11 years. And as my shirt says, I am a sober goddess. And where the shirt came from is a platform that I work with my partner on, Pamela, called My Badass Recovery. And My Badass Recovery is a way for people to feel empowered and love their sober life. And for me, that was not how I started my sobriety at all. So the journey to go from absolutely not thinking I had a problem at all to feeling victimized by my addiction to feeling empowered and like it's the best fucking thing that I can own and claim is sober goddess is the journey that I want to walk through with you today. Um, so I'll back up and tell you that I was um, born in Boston. The only really noticeable thing about my childhood is that I was raised in a funeral home. My family, my my dad ran funeral homes. And I, I definitely think that shaped my childhood because I just always had a fascination with death and the idea of death. And I think that it was part of what catalyzed me to become a life coach to really be, have an inspired life to want to like to, to leave, to die with. And, um, so, you know, a kid growing up, I was really somebody who always looked like I was having a ball. I had a lot of people around me. I always looked like I was having fun and I was always tortured by an obsessive mind that told me that I was not good enough, that there was something wrong with me, that I needed to get fixed. And how that, you know, when I, when you're a kid, you just don't know really the difference between your thoughts and anything else. So I just listened to my mind and thought that that was true. And I remember that I used to like pray at night, like God fix me, like make me okay. And I would always look for ways to just get outside of my own mind because I just could never feel comfortable in my skin. And I think that was something that was just so consistent. I used to, you know, really attach myself to people to when I found booze, booze, but like, you know, really just like attach myself to things because I never felt comfortable just being inside my own skin with my own thoughts. And when I had my first drink, I was about 14 years old. And I just remember, I don't know about you guys, but I remember that when I had my first booze, it was like instantly the thoughts stopped and I had confidence. I could just say anything. I was funny and I didn't care what you thought about me. And that was like a revelation because until that point, my whole life was based on if you thought I was okay, I was okay. If you had a problem with me, I had a problem. So the fact that I could have, you know, a drink and relax and not have these thoughts was just euphoria. And probably in that moment, did you feel free? I did feel free. I felt funny and I felt confident and I felt free. That was exactly right. And so for me, I was um, absolutely a binge drinker. 
where I would restrain and I'm also anorexic. So for all of my anorexics out there and bulimics, I also have that. So like for anybody that has food obsession, okay, how it looked for me was that I would eat perfectly all week long. I was obsessed with controlling my food. I knew exactly how many calories to eat. I knew how much to work out. And then I did all of that so that I could relax and release and enjoy my booze on the weekends. And when I drank, there was no limit. And that was consistent. Like it was like, that was my reward at the end of the week. And I'm somebody that, you know, early in my drinking days, I could stop after a couple of drinks. But the problem was I always wanted more. My head never wanted to stop. I was planning my drinks on Friday in school on Monday. So my obsession about food, about my weight, about my exercise, about my drinks was nonstop. That was the conversation all day long. And when I graduated college, I decided I needed a new hobby. Like I just needed. So I was always sort of looking for purpose, looking for things to obsess about. And my first job became my new obsession. And I went full on into the workforce. I worked my way up the corporate ladder. I worked in a biotech company. And about 28 years old, I realized that on paper, everything looked great. I had a great body. I worked out all the time. I was dating the boss at work. We were lying about it. That's a different story. But I felt absolutely disconnected and numb and empty. I remember this was the tipping point for me. I was on vacation with my boyfriend then we had been dating for five years and it was 28. So everybody's getting married at that point or like, you know, in those conversations. I just remember asking everybody like, do you think that we should get married? Do you think we should get married? I was constantly asking for validation from the world. And I just never felt like I had any intuitive thoughts because I didn't trust myself. And so it was at that point that I started to get really scared because I started looking at the future of drinking all weekend, blacking out to a bag of peanut M&Ms, like, you know, not knowing how I got home at night, falling asleep at the work parties, like just sloppiness. And I'm like, how, this is not going to turn out. And so I started looking around the self-help industry obsessively and I found coaching Mm -hmm. and I sat down with a life coach for one hour and she had me write out my dreams of what I wanted in the different areas of my life and where I was now. And in that one session, what she woke me up to was that I was lying. I was lying about who I was. There was a total disconnect between what I was presenting to the world and who I actually was. Mm -hmm. Because the truth was, I was lying about the booze. I was lying about the food. I was lying about the guy. I didn't know how to be happy. I didn't know how to take those steps. And so what coaching taught me was, actually, there's a process to have a dream and then align your thoughts and your actions in a consistent way to realize that dream. And that was another revelation. I'm like, that's the coolest thing. I'm going to be a life coach. I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to get married to the man of my dreams. And everything 
everything's going to be solved. And that's what I did. Basically, I trained to be a life coach for two years and I moved to Manhattan and I thought that I had, I had reached the pinnacle. And what happened, because I am a real alcoholic, which means that when I put a sip of alcohol in my body, I want more. And that is something that I am powerless over is after three years of really trying to restrict my drinking. And the thing was for me is I tried everything. I tried to only drink beer. I tried to drink water in between my drinks. I tried to tell you I was only going to have two. And then I was at the bartender having them add extra shots. I tried, I tried so many different ways to manipulate and control my drinking and it never worked. And I was obsessed. And what happened was after three years of effectively teaching other people how to live their life and lying about that one aspect of my life and a couple other things, my life became totally unmanageable. And I got busted by my employer and the founder of the life coaching company. And she said, look, she first told me to make a list of all the things I was lying about. And on it came all of the times I lied about my drinks. And she said, well, you're an alcoholic and you have a choice. You can either leave the company or you can take on a different role in the company, you know, basically essentially nanny and um, take on a different role for her and for the organization and get sober. And that's what I did. I, you know, changed my whole life and moved out to Westchester to um, start a 12-step program. And what happened for me was, for about a year and a half, I was in a 12-step program, effectively doing all the steps to look good. Like I wanted my job. I had one single reason why I was doing this. It was because somebody told me I was an alcoholic. I'm doing the sobriety thing to get my job back. And then who knows what, but you know, that's really all that I have to deal with. And 12 steps didn't work for me. My now I'm not drinking, but my life is absolutely insane. I am a people pleaser to my absolute demise. I don't know how to say no to people. I keep taking on more, more responsibility. I am now working all day long, all the time, without the reward, without my fun, and I am miserable. I'm like a ticking time bomb. And so after a year and a half, I relapse, I have a drink. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me because what it woke me up to was it didn't matter that I was what I considered a light, like I don't drink that much, right? I could go for months without drinking. So in my mind, alcoholism is for people who can't go to work in the morning right? They don't have a job. They don't, even though I lost mine, but they don't, you know, look like they work out, take care of themselves. Like they don't, they don't do those types of things. They, um, don't go to work and drink out of a paper bag. Like that was my self-centered, absolute ignorance. That's what I thought alcoholism was. I didn't understand that an alcoholic looks just like me, somebody who's obsessed about alcohol when alcohol is not in your body. And you can fill in alcohol with whatever your thing is. Addiction, the definition, which I love from Tommy Rosen, who has Recovery 2.0, he does some great work in the addiction space, is anything you can't stop despite the negative consequences. 
So it can be drinking. It can be relationships. It can be sex. It can be gambling. It can be worrying. Like it, you know, it opens up the spectrum of what addiction really is. Now, how I got to be a sober goddess and I'll, you know, fill you in on these pieces and then just open up, have you asked questions, um, was that in that moment, I realized that I'd also been trying to do sobriety. Like sobriety is different from recovery for me. I stopped drinking, but I hadn't actually opened my life. Recovery wasn't part of my life. It was just that I was no longer drinking. So I wasn't really able to be fully healed and whole. And so what I realized was I was going to have to find my people that were doing sobriety in the way that I respected, thought was cool, building businesses, like people who are already manifesting, dreaming, building, like people were doing it cool. And I felt like, like-minded to me. And so I went to this, she recovers convention, which she recovers is a nonprofit woman's organization, incredible, helping women to recover from anything. And they do events every year that are magnificent. I went to their first event in LA and I met Pamela who created my badass recovery. We teamed up over the pandemic. We did podcasts together and we've really been building my badass recovery ever since. And what I love about my badass recovery is that what we're really here to do is, is help people support people in answering the question. I'm sober. Now what? Mm-hmm. Right. And like, you know, I was at this meditation event this past weekend and one of my friends who's amazing, this woman, she, um, she, you know, she teaches meditation to children, but she was saying how when she got sober, it was like, okay, I put the drink away, but now what? I have these dreams. I have these ideas, but I don't know how to realize them. I don't know how to follow through on them. So that's, and then feeling empowered in sobriety, also owning it embracing it, designing it, choosing it is a whole other world on top of just putting the booze down. Mm -hmm. So that's what we talk about and where I am right now. I'm currently living in Venice, which was a change during COVID. I was telling Angela right before we came on, crazy health situation brought me out here where there was like a found a 10 centimeter mass in my body. And, you know, the cool part about sobriety is that having a spiritual foundation for doing life and understanding that when something happens in life, my first place that I go to is I'm powerless. I'm not in charge of fixing this, manipulating it, controlling it. All the thoughts that are happening in my head right now that are worry and fear-based I'm powerless over them. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to be willing to see this a different way. I'm going to get support, get help. In my case, I ended up getting connected to a woman out in Santa Monica who did the surgery for me, brought me out to California from New York, totally relocated, miracle found the most ideal apartment, like four blocks from the beach. And now I'm living, you know, my best location life ever for sure. Um, so that's a little bit about who I am, where I came from and my journey. Amazing. One thing that, that stands out for me that I noticed that you talked about was you, there was a difference between sobriety 
and recovery. And what I heard was sobriety was you stopped drinking. Were you miserable? Did you hate it? Were you still thinking all the thoughts, but just not actually consuming the booze? And then the actual recovery place where you opened up your life, you said, where you started to actually choose this lifestyle, started to be empowered by it, taking it from it being your flaw or your weakness or your brokenness and turning it into your superpower. Exactly. So I'll answer your first question first, which is that sobriety is different from recovery in my mind, because sobriety is not drinking. Recovery is recovering your whole self, Mm -hmm. mind, body, and spirit. And so when I stopped drinking, my, who I was became, I am now sober and boring. Like I, fun Alyssa left with the booze when I first got sober, because remember the booze was what made me confident. The booze was what made me funny. The booze was what shut off that internal dialogue of what do you think about me? So now I'm not drinking. And from my standpoint, I'm like, I'm sober. I don't know how to talk about this on dates. I'm now dating. What do I say? Do I tell them I'm an alcoholic? How do I navigate this space? How do I talk about it to my friends? What am I supposed to do when they're all drinking? Am I supposed to be drinking? And I just became a rigid, sober person, resenting my alcoholism, resenting 12 steps, resenting everybody else for drinking without impunity. And what happened was I had to really, this is interesting because it was this moment of recognition where I told I was going to um, resign. So I spent a year and a half trying to get my job back. Okay. As a life coach. And I, when I relapsed, I was going to resign from the company. And I told everybody, my plan was to go dance around the world. And um, in my mind, in my, the founder of my company said, well, how quick before you get a drink, you sound like an addict. And in my mind, What I observed, I didn't drink, but what I observed was that I went to every single place in Boston that I was going to go drink. So it was just this moment of like, right, where I was like telling people one thing and in my mind, absolutely doing something else. And in that moment of like total like truth to myself, total honesty, I think that's, I had a moment of like grace of something that is not me, just intuitively for the first time, I could like connect with this intuitive place, this intuitive thought that I needed to expand how I was doing this. I needed to find my people. And when I found She Recovers and I started to take the steps to meet people that I was inspired by and started to really arm myself in a different way by owning it, that's really where the narrative started to shift from being a victim to feeling empowered. Mm, Interesting. One of my favorite quotes actually about addiction, Alyssa, one of my favorite quotes about addiction is the question is not why the addiction, but why the pain and can you identify the pain or what you may have been feeling when alcohol became the thing that you leaned on? Um, I love that quote. 
by Gabor Mate. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite authors in this space. Um, the pain was in suppressing who I really was. I think that for me, I am somebody, I was always uh, very sensitive to like sensitive child, right? Like very common with many children, I'm sure. But I just really struggled with being able to express myself, express my feelings. I thought that I was raised <laughs> very um, Catholic, rigid, <laughs> right and wrong, good and bad. We know, we know those. Right, you, you know those, right? So like it was very, it, I had a lot of that belief system of there's a right way and the wrong way. If you're happy, that's good. If you're angry, that's bad. And so my pain came from suppressing what I determined was bad, which then meant whole parts of myself were cut off, which then, of course, I can't be true to myself, love myself and be hiding. So the journey of recovery has been about expression. It's been about slowly over time being willing to understand all of the parts are important. All of the parts are welcome. All of the parts make me who I am. And I don't have to live in anger, but it's so important to actually accept and feel the feelings. And I think that for me was the source of my pain was suppressing those feelings. Mm -hmm. Wow. So for somebody who's listening right now and they're thinking, I could never do that. Or how do I know if I have a problem? Where would, what would you say for that person who is right? That beginning place of like, it's toggling around their brain and they're wondering, do I have a problem? Is this, how, how, how did you find out? Or how did you know, aside from, you know, your work, there's something inside of you that knew before that, what would you say to that person? Yeah, I think that, so if somebody is really like, I don't know if that's me, maybe I have a problem, go online to aa.org and take a quiz. Like the, the easy solution for that is just like, go check it out, go at, go, right? And so that's one way. The other way is that this was something that I used, um, a lot when I was work when I was coaching people. So as a coach, one of the things that I do is I have people make promises in their life. So for example, 30 days, like, you know what? I'm going to take a 30 day. I don't know if I have a problem, but let me just see, let me take a break from alcohol. Let me take a 30 day detox Mm -hmm. and see what that experience is like. If you can't take a detox, if you make a promise and you break it, over and over and over again, that means you need something deeper. You need something stronger. Go to a 12-step meeting. 12-step meetings are great to see if you can relate to the conversation. And most of them now, because of COVID, are online. So a lot of times I will say, okay, take a detox, like 30 days without your thing. And if you can't do that, go to a 12-step program. And listen in on a meeting and see if that conversation resonates with you. Okay. That's amazing. Thank you. And I feel like that seems to be a pretty popular thing. Like I I love right now too, that sobriety is cool, right? Like I have a girlfriend who is 
she's been sober for almost three years. And yeah, she, she's empowered by it. She's got the watermelon that says like sober AF and she's got the goddess t-shirt, right? Like very much in that space. And it's, it's celebrated versus that like, right. Whereas I think 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago or three years ago, it wasn't something that people patted you on the back or cheered you on for. Whereas I feel like that's shifted or shifting. Would you say that? I mean, you operate in that space, but um, my husband and I did a dry January. And when we went to all the places that we thought people were going to be like, Oh God, like you're not drinking, you're no fun. Mostly everybody was like, good for you. That's amazing. How's it going? How do you feel? What do you notice? Right. Um, Intrigued and inspired. Um, Whereas going back to that high school space where yeah, Angela and I both come from the same small town and drinking at 14 is just what you're doing. Right. And you're drinking heavily. And, um, I remember, right. Like anytime that you wouldn't be drinking or, you know, you ended up being the driver, your parents said you weren't drinking that night or whatever was like, Oh, the old Ashley would, or, Oh, like you've changed or right. That like shame piece that would go, Back to that place of like, well, I'm going to have less of a good time because now you're sober. Could you please like, they have a problem with their own drinking and it gets reflected onto you because they have a better time when you're drinking. Yes. So I think two things to what you just said. Um, Yes, I definitely think there is more of a movement now for sober curious and sobriety in general and sober curious being people who just want to see, like not necessarily have a problem, but the negative consequences of alcohol in our body have been proven time and time again by science. So we don't, you know, if you are somebody who wants to live a conscious life and a healthy life, then alcohol might not fit into your dream lifestyle. And that's, I think, what has brought so many people to this place of seeking alternatives. There's so many places right now, companies that make sober mocktails, as an example, Mm -hmm. right? And so you can, I mean, there's full bars of mocktails where, and, and so you get all of the benefits of a cocktail without the yucky feeling the next day, which if you like a conscious lifestyle, that might work for you because you don't want to wake up with a hangover or feeling Mm -hmm. in your body. So I definitely agree with you on that level that sobriety is becoming more trendy just simply because wellness and health is become more and more trendy and then being conscious and alcohol doesn't necessarily fit together. Um, I do think that alcohol is still the most acceptable, like culturally, um, at least in certain pockets of communities. I know that when I worked in corporate, I traveled a lot for business and alcohol was very much part of the corporate culture and also how we traveled together, we drank together. So I think there is pressure specifically from people that you're right, don't have a relationship that they're proud of with their own drinking. Because what it does when you say you're not drinking is it kicks up all of their inner dialogue about it. And so one of the things that is so empowering about choosing sobriety is also choosing that you don't have to be at the effect of 
other people's baggage with it. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely over time as I've learned how to just be so grounded and clear and proud of this choice. It's made me stronger in standing for my own health, separate and independent of what other people think, which is so much of what we have to learn as an individual anyway, to feel great and empowered in our lives. Mm-hmm. I love it, Alyssa. Now, what about communities? You talked a lot about like going to the 12 step program, talking about how you going to those events and having that community has been a key reason that you've been incredibly successful with being able to stay sober. So where would you say like we're close to Toronto, Ontario, Canada, any great online communities or where would you recommend people go to link arms or be able to feel fully supported? Yes. I love this question. So the first thing that I'll just not to, I hate to plug my own stuff, but to just answer that question directly, I'm going to be taking a group of six women through an eight week intensive program called I'm sober. Now what? And it really is to go deep into, okay, you're sober, which means you have a whole new palette to paint on what are your dreams? How do you align yourself in both thought and action with those dreams? And then also the community of accountability to support and cheer for you. So that's something that is absolutely going to be starting July 7th and out there. And that also is part of what my badass recovery community is building is a way for people to get courses. We do um, monthly coaching sessions with our community so people can come and be a part of my badass community. Um, There's also She Recovers, which is an international nonprofit women's organization, which I mentioned. And they're awesome. It's so cool. They do. It was just in Miami, actually, at one of their live events. And it was just incredible to see about 700 people who had met over the pandemic, who, you know, had created just these incredible networks to come together and actually meet in person in real life. So um, Recovery 2.0 is another one, Tommy Rosen, who I referred to earlier. So there's, there's lots out there. And I think that, you know, Being a badass in recovery and being proud of sobriety is also about understanding your recovery is yours. This journey is yours. And really even doing a simple Google search to find out where there are communities that, and then joining a couple of them to see which ones you connect with. And that goes the same for 12 steps. You know, for somebody out there who is a real alcoholic, which means that when you take a sip of alcohol, you cannot stop. And that is something that you know, in your heart, there is real help for you. And you can go to aa.com or aa.org and you can see all of the online meetings. And for somebody who has that problem, working a 12 step based solution for me has been the only solution because it really is something that addresses the holistic nature of this disease, because it's not just a physical disease. It's also a a mental and spiritual disease. And 12-step programs really deal with all of that. So those are the types of communities that I am associated with and that I believe in. When you mentioned that they dive into those other elements, so diving into the spiritual elements of the disease, what do they take you through that separates it just from the physical and dives into those elements? Yes. So the 12 steps 
Um, and I'll just say them in a nutshell from my own experience. And, but our, the step one is really the statement of I'm powerless over this thing. It's, it's, it starts spiritual actually, like spiritual in that this physical thing that I'm putting in my body, I have a mental relationship with that I can't control. And I don't understand why. For me, that's spiritual because it means that what we see and what we taste now, like from our five senses doesn't work. So then I don't know what that is. Step two is I'm willing. I'm willing to have a different experience. And step three is making a decision to turn your thoughts and your actions over to a power that's not you. That's not in your mind because my mind tells me I should be able to drink like other people. I see you drinking and not having a problem, leaving half glasses of wine. Why can't I drink that way? I should be able to. So I keep trying. So 12 steps really starts with a spiritual foundation. And then once you actually make a decision of like, okay, I'm turning my thoughts and actions over to something that I don't understand, my own conception of a higher power, which for me as somebody who was raised in a Catholic church with a Catholic paradigm of that, I had to really take back the nature of what spirituality meant to me. It couldn't be something that was right and wrong and really rigid. It had to be that something that was more loving, tender, all-inclusive, soft. And then what I was able to do is actually go through my life and make an inventory of all the reasons I drank, all of those painful memories, all of those people, all of those experiences. And then afterwards, I was able to confess all of those things to a single person. And through that experience, actually have my defects, my ways of thinking that don't actually work for me. Those be removed. And then what the next, and then really, um, on a regular basis, do an inventory where I have to be honest and make amends and deal with the people that I've impacted through my behavior and then work with another alcoholic, work with somebody else who also is having the same problem that I am. And, you know, working the steps, it's very spiritual in that all of that is to crush my way of thinking, crush my ego so that I am now open to receiving information, intuitive wisdom that is not of my self-centered thoughts. And that lets me live life in a different way, in a much more peaceful way, without trying to control and manipulate and manage everything. That's beautiful. Yes. Oh my goodness. And so Alyssa, when you, it sounds like your life has transformed and is continuing to transform and be in that space where you help others transform their life as well. What would you say is the single most important key to your recovery then and now? Asking for help. And I, and I want to just say that looks different now than it did. Right. When I was really, um, you know, the moment that I had to actually like, and the reason why people don't ask for help in my experience is because they want to keep doing the thing. I mean, when I was not ready to give up alcohol, I want, I didn't want to tell anybody that what I was doing because I wanted to keep drinking. Like 
that's the, the thing. The, the, the alcoholism can only stay alive inside my head. So the minute that I'm willing to share about it is the minute I'm open to an entirely new experience. And so many times I've worked with thousands of people at this point because I've been a coach for, you know, thousands of coaching hours, hundreds of people. I've been a coach for 11 years. And so much of transformation in my experience comes from the sharing of one simple thing, one simple lie, one simple thing that somebody has been thinking and they don't want to say out loud because they're scared that they're going to have to do something about it. And what I would tell you is that you have every right to get help and say that thing you're scared to say and not do anything about it. 12-step programs are not for people who want to stop. They're for people who have a desire to stop. You can go to 12-step programs and absolutely still drink. It is not something that, so, and, and, and that is something that I think is, um, a misconception. It's like, well, if I go to 12 steps, that means if I'm an alcoholic, that means I can never drink forever. Right. And that way of thinking for any alcoholic will stop someone dead in their tracks. Because for me, I know that if you told me I was never going to be able to drink again, I was not going to tell you anything because that was my only solution. That was my only escape. So I couldn't give you that. But what I've discovered is that actually when you ask for help and you're just willing to be honest, you don't actually have to do anything different. The help already opens up something for you. It starts to work with grace, with reality, with opportunities where you can get some peace and you don't have to carry it around all by yourself. I love that. I noticed too in the space that I operate in that as soon as it's spoken, it's no longer mine, it's ours, right? And so it's something that felt so heavy is now that load is shared. It's no longer, I, I can set it down and we can just fucking look at it and say this sucks, right? Or whatever that is. Um, and yes, not having to do anything about it except to observe it, to see it, to just be with it, to love it and see where it goes from there. I think that's really powerful advice and for the listener who is listening going like I don't know but it's that I don't have to commit to being an alcoholic tomorrow and then I never drink again right it's the being playful getting curious about it maybe asking some questions and you you're not here or here in that like very catholic black and white thinking I grew up catholic as well and so I I completely resonate I have that OCD tendency (laughs) so um So I understand, I think that's really beautiful that the journey, it can move, it can be fluid and flowing and up and down and through versus just, I think I have a problem, but if I say it out loud, then I definitely do. And therefore I can never drink and I'm I'm messed for life. And I, I can't envision a life without booze. So I love that. Exactly. Exactly. You, you understand Catholic speak perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. I was raised with that and uh, had a lot of fearful prayers to the Lord to save my soul as well. And uh, yes, I can, I can see, I can see that environment also um, creating or facilitating more of that uh, behavior that, obsession that, uh, those patterns that can lead down different, different pathways. So 
cool. Yes. Mm -hmm. Love it. Now, Alyssa, um, you've mentioned that you shifted out of something that you believe to be unhealthy and not supportive for your body. What are some of the things that you do from morning to night that are supportive for your health, whether this is meditation practices or ways that you move your body, maybe certain foods that you put into your body or certain things that you do drink instead? What are some of those habits that we could suggest maybe to our audience that would be nourishing for them as well? Yes. Well, the morning, as my teacher and coach, Marian Williamson, tells me, is the most sacred part of the day. And so for me, I am somebody, I take two hours in the morning. This is not for everybody, obviously, but even if you have five minutes of meditation, it puts your thinking on a higher plane than having gone straight for technology. And so for me, I wake up, I write. I write actually a letter to my loving higher power, not the, the my version of my higher power. And I do 22 minutes of meditation. And then I write a letter back from my higher power to me. And what's interesting is that it always surprises me what comes out about what I need to know about myself. But I do that because it really connects me to a loving, infinite source inside of me that then puts my day on a different trajectory because then I'm up, I'm getting ready, I'm eating, I'm doing a brief exercise or I'm going out to the beach to do an exercise. So I'm moving my body. I used to do a song a day and actually I should probably bring that back because I'm a dancer and I love dance. I do five rhythms dance. Um, I deeply believe in moving my body. Um, and then that starts my day. And that starts my day with like, okay, I usually... Um, have this now as a coach, I do this exercise called the purge, which is just a verbal inner dialogue of anything icky that's like stuck and then get connected to my dream, which I um, write for about one month out. Like here's my vision for this month. And then my day starts and I go into my day and things come up and it goes all sorts of ways because that's how life is. And then I also end my day in a prayerful manner, I um, look at all the places where I've lied, dishonest, like anything that I'm going to leave in this day and not take with me the next day. I actually write down and I text uh, to people that are my spiritual, like just running buddies and just like with me. Um, but they're my sponsors, but they're also like people that I do life with. Um, and sponsors is a word from 12 steps. So I text those people, all that stuff. So I don't have to sit alone with it. And then I do meditation usually at the end of the day as well, sometimes in the middle of the day. Um, and then that's it. No more technology. I mean, no more like I watch TV, but I do not let my mind talk to me. Like it's going to say, you know, have you guys ever heard the phrase at the bar? Like nothing good ever happens after two o'clock. Yeah. Um, I have that saying about my head after nine o'clock at night because it never gives me good information. Like it's, it's like upset about something, angry about something, scared about something. Like it, it's just like, it's overworked, right? It's like nothing good is going to happen there. So I don't listen. Like it's just off. I'm not, I'm not responsible for any thoughts I have. And then I wake up and the next day it starts. But for me, mental, health is just like physical health. I would never leave my house without brushing my teeth because I know if I do, I have bad breath. 
I don't leave without meditating because I know if I do, I'm going to be in anxiety and fear. And that's just the nature of the human mind. So I'm responsible for my mental health this that way as, as physical. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that. I want to do, and we are doing that. The like the letter to the higher power and then the meditation followed by the, the letter back. I... I can see that making its way into some of the retreats that we do. I want to do it tomorrow. <laughs> like, that sounds amazing. Totally. Totally, girl. <clears throat> the dialogue back is like, I think of, honestly, Angie, I think of like the womb wisdom. You know, when you come in with a question and it's just like, boom, download, boom, download, boom, download. And you're like, okay, well, this is not me. This is something big. This is something really big, right? So... Thank you for sharing that. I'm excited to to use that strategy and technology or uh, technique, not technology, technique. Sure. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Now, you said you have your program coming up here now, Alyssa. So A, where do we go to sign up? And B, when does it start again? Yes. So it starts, it's a eight week course and it's online. It's limited. It's only, I'm only filling it with six seats because I really want it to be a small curated, close connected experience. It's called um, Sober Now What? It's for people who want to take their dreams and turn them into a reality. So for people that are like, I have all these ideas, I have all this stuff, but I don't know how to actually go apply it. I don't know how to feel empowered in this journey. I don't know what to do. It's for you. And you can email me, Alyssa, at Rocco Collective, and I'll give you these for the show notes, and I will send you the. I will. We'll, we'll get on a call, and um, we'll go from there. I can give you all the information that you need, and then you can also check out mybadassrecovery.com for information about the podcast, online courses, and all sorts of resources that are available for people to live their most empowered, badass, sober life. Amazing, mm-hmm. incredible. Thank you both for having me so much. It was like such a joy to be with both of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was an absolute honor, girl. And just the, we, we cover so many topics, I feel. And this is, we're just touching on this one. So thank you for showing up so authentically and vulnerably. That's right. That takes, it takes guts. It takes a lot of um, spiritual belief in the self. And so thank you. We are honored and grateful that you were here. Mm-hmm. And you know what I was thinking about, Ashley? Remember in January when we were trying really hard to get on another silver coach and we were like, oh, we're going to try to get these dates. And they kept like not working out. You were doing a dry January. I did like, I don't know, dry five or five months, four or five months or something like that. We're like, we need somebody to come on and talk about this. It just like never synced up with topics. And then Elise brought us together in this very, um, in this moment here. And we're just grateful that you were the one that were able, was able to share that message and that this all worked out in the way that it divinely did. So thank you. So well, thank you guys. Total alignment. That's what that just shows up right now. It's just like alignment, alignment, alignment. So yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys, if you're listening to today's episode, we'll have all of the information in the show notes. And if you're interested in Alyssa's program, you can certainly go there. Or perhaps you know somebody that would really enjoy today's episode. We invite you to share it on social media or send it to them in case you think that it might be beneficial. We will see you guys next Thursday. And as always, thanks for joining us and bye for now.
Tchau, Bela. <risos>